This is Flint, and you're listening to G.I. Joe Chronicles. The Longbox Crusade presents G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. I'm one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codename DJ Christatos. And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Gerald, Gerald, Jared Albrick, codename Death Grove. Every time, every time. <laughs> Almost seven years podcasting again. <laughs> oh, at ease, DJ Christatos. You know yeah. what? I figured it out why I call you Gerald, because I want to call you General Gerald. Oh, okay. Albrecht, I was just so. looking at that. Like, we've had that in the script now for a couple of years. I'm one of your commanders. I feel like we're sort of like Cobra Commander Destro. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. One of your commanders. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I want to welcome all the green shirts tuning in for our podcast. Welcome back to Fort Longbox. Of course, we're going to be talking about this Devil's Do Run. On this episode, we are going to rotate in a special ops guest for our show. And our guest for this episode is a return guest. It is Mr. Gary V, codename Ironmonger. Welcome back to Fort Longbox, Gary. It's great to be back, Jared and Pat. Yes. Good to have uh, you back again. Good. Refresh my memory. You've been on once, one episode? Yes. Ah, so you get to start with the classic follow-up question. Last time you heard you said who your three favorite characters were. And we got your origin story. So this time, what are our three favorite vehicles? It's easy to pick my number one. It's the Ram from nice. 1983. Nice. Motorcycle. And the other two. I would have to say the Whale. Excellent choice. Another. And the, I guess the third one I could, could say floats around. But I had a lot of fun with my Battle Wagon this weekend. So I'll go with the Battle Wagon as number three right now. Oh, Dave Collins. Battle wagon. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So the Ram, you mentioned that up front, and I'm glad you picked that. It's a cool vehicle. It's one of the first ones we had. It's one of the first ones that ever came out, I think. I was a little surprised. I've been collecting the G.I. Joe classifieds, and the Ram came with Breaker. Yeah. And I always associated the Ram with rock and roll. Because you read the comic book. Probably because hot potato, <laughs> yes, that's yeah. that's that's rock and roll. Yeah, but the box art from the original Ram is Breaker. I was gonna, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. that makes sense. That's probably been so long since I've seen the box art. Yeah, if you had asked me, swear on a stack of Bibles, who's on the box art with the Ram, I would have been like rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, apparently I've been brainwashed. Interesting, I'm glad you brought that up because it's been bugging me. I was like, why Breaker? Like, I like Breaker. Cool, but now you've made it all crystal clear. This is what he does. This is what he brings to the show, Pat. This is what, yeah, this is what we have him on for. All right, speaking of Pat, I'm gonna turn it over to DJ Cristalos for this episode's intelligence report. All right, well, for this mission, we will be covering GI Joe number 40. Publisher was Devil's Due. 
It's got a cover date of March 2005. The writer was Brandon Jerwa, penciler Tim Seeley, inker Corey Hampshire, colorist Brett R. Smith, letterer is Robin Spihar, cover art goes to Tim Seeley, Andrew Popoy, and Val Staples. And speaking about the cover, Death Probe. Please take us through the cover description. You got it. The cover has a very orange and red theme on a smoky, post-bombing battlefield. Destro cradles a seemingly dead Baroness in his arms and shouts his anger to the heavens. A cover blurb reads, Casualties of War. Back to you, Pat. All right, Jared, thank you for that cover description. So let's go ahead and find out what we think about this cover. And we will start with our guest, Iron Monger. What do you think of the cover? I like it. I think Tim Seeley did an excellent job and it's inked really well. It evokes a lot of emotion Mm -hmm. because if you hadn't read the previous issue, you wouldn't know what's going on and, you know, why is Baroness there? And from that fact, it is evocative image to get you to pick up the cover, even though it really depicts what happened the previous issue. That being said, it's awesome because it does convey emotion. It gets you to pick it up off the rack and... I like the green eyes. They just really pop out. Yeah. Destro. It's awesome. And you're also wondering, you don't really see blood on Baroness. So is she dead? Is she unconscious? You don't know. So it really is an image that makes you want to grab it off the shelf and, you know, find Mm. out what's going on. That's a good catch there that, uh, you know, is she, how bad is she hurt? You can't really tell. But, you know, I think the giveaway is definitely the screaming in Destro's face. Just that, oh, ah, scream that he's got going on. Uh, you said a lot of things that I have in my notes as well, too, as this makes me want to read this issue and find out what's going on. And, you know, I just caught, too, is the casualties of war, which kind of plays a lot into what happens in this issue uh, in more ways than one, I would say. The color set, the reddish kind of hues and all that does set the mood for this, definitely. and. As you mentioned before, the, the nice line work as well. Jarrett, what's your thoughts? Same as you guys. This is a really cool and emotional cover. It's not action-packed, but it is capturing a moment. And yeah, I'm glad Iron Manger called out those green eyes because yeah. that's really, really sells the whole thing with that facial expression. And before too long, Pat, we're going to be scoring these. And I, as I kind of talk about on a lot of different covers, I think your score on this one's going to relate directly to how much do you like the whole Destro Baroness thing. Hmm. So I guess we'll find out shortly. I guess we will. And speaking about finding out shortly, why don't we go ahead and find out now? And we're going to go ahead and get into our ratings on this cover on a scale of 1 to 10 flag points. 1 meaning you didn't like it at all and 10, meaning it's perfect and you should make a recruiting poster out of it. Not sure of a recruiting poster, but maybe for a hospital, maybe a funeral parlor, maybe, I don't know. But let's go ahead and find out. Ironmonger, what's your rating for this cover on a 1 to 10? I would think this cover is coming to a cemetery near you, and (laughs) this is an absolute 9. I love this cover. It, It is very strong for all the reasons we've talked about. It makes it a nine. All right. Jared, where do you lie on this cover? I cuddle up and spoon very closely with the Ironmonger. Ooh. Um, <laughs> but back to cover scores. 
Uh, I was. <laughs> and, 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 you know, we got separate beds in the barracks here, right? <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, all all joking aside, I'm right there with him. I think it's a nine. It's a very solid nine cover. I mean, you see it as you're flipping through those back issue boxes, and you go, "Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember, I remember this this moment in the story arc." So, yeah, it's a nine. About you, pet. I'm gonna go one under you guys. I'm gonna go with a strong eight. A strong eight. You know, I, not I, an eight point five, but a but a strong, but strong eight. eight. Yeah, yeah. Not strong. enough to cuddle, but just <laughs> enough to say, "Hey, I see you guys over there." Yeah, that's <laughs> Uh, These are only you know, twin beds. <laughs> I'm just going to be over here with my comforter. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a strong eight on it. You know, it doesn't really depict what's going on in the story. But man, I guess they couldn't really have put this cover on the last one because that would have gave it away, right? So yeah, spoiler. Yeah, so I can see where they really wanted to do something here. But yeah, definitely a high strong eight for me. And with the cover out of the way, let's go ahead and go back to Death Probe for the story synopsis in our mission brief. On G.I. Joe Chronicles, we like to mix things up a bit. I'm going to have DJ Cristados pull the randomizer to determine the synopsis point of view. Will I tell it from Joe's point of view or Cobra's point of view? Let's find out. Cristados, pull the lever. <laughs> the lever has chosen Cobra. All right. If you've been wondering what our Tempest satellite weapon is, well, it's finally revealed. Surprise, it's the Weather Dominator. But Cover Commander has added a new twist to it. He can now put chemical and biological warfare weapons into the satellite and make it literally rain terror wherever he wants. Our tracking reports that the Joes on the run, which is Duke, Snake Eyes, and Scarlet, have linked up with Scanner in Iceland, and they're working from literally underground. Thanks to the leadership of Cobra Commander, everyone loyal to him, including our new former Joe recruit, Stahl, have been moved from Cobra Island to our mountainside base in Bethikstan, which turned out to be a good thing because G.I. Joe dropped a nuke on Cobra Island. Luckily, it only killed all those disloyal coil scum along with that turncoat Destro. So now we're poised to be the ultimate terrorist organization with the ultimate space-based weapon operating from Bad Hickstan. Nothing can stop us now. Oh, and we heard that Serpentor's right-hand man, Overlord, has infiltrated the Icelandic base, housing Scanner and the Joes on the run. And one more addendum, we keep hearing whispers of another anti-Joe organization that may have ties to the highest levels of U.S. generals. And it's going to great lengths to keep their identity a secret. More to come on that. Now, back to G.I. Joe. Okay, let's get into the highs and lows and the chit and the chat. And we will start with our guest, the Iron Monger. It is round one. Do you have a high, low, what the, what's on your mind? My first impression reading the story, the first good impression was how packed this book is for the story. This reminded me of the early Marvel run where it's a dense read. There's a lot going on. It feels like it's a good value for, for the book. It's like, this is, when I read it through, it's like, this is a good half an hour on a first run through. It just all the mm. words and all the images and just comprehending the plot because there's a lot of plot going on. And it's a good plot. There's twists, there's turns. 
I really think this is probably one of Jura's best issues. I would definitely agree on that. There was definitely a lot of stuff happening here in, in multiple layers as well. Yeah, I was definitely feeling that dense storytelling. I feel like we've gotten a good bang for our buck throughout this whole run. But in these last few, I'm starting to feel like they know they're wrapping it up by, was it 43, I think is the last issue of the run. And I, I feel yep. like they're like, get it, get it all crammed in, but it, not in a bad way. No, like it's, no. it's moving along well. So yeah, no, I, I track you on that. I totally track you on that. All right, Pat, over to you. Well, like uh, Iron Monger said, you know, this has a lot going on to it. And I really wrote down a lot of notes in here. I'll, t- I'll take a one or two here. One is just, I really liked in the beginning, General Ray's style, his leadership. As you go throughout this issue, he kind of warmed up to me. I, I think I mentioned it in the previous issue, too, that I was kind of liking his style on how he was handling things. And I liked it here, too, because, you know, he was harsh and in control, but he also had the softer side in him. And when he would talk to certain people, like with Barrel Roll, he's like, hey, you sure you want to do this? You can back out when you want. I'm not going to say anything or, you know, it's fine. You can do this. And then when he talks to Lady J, too, He's like, hey, I know you had a lot going on and, you know, are you all right? And I just really think his style of leadership is good and I liked it. You know, again, yeah, he's new and all that, but something about him I like. Yeah, uh, clearly as the, I'm sure I've never mentioned this on a podcast that I've taught leadership for over 20 years. Uh, First I've heard of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's news. (laughs) But I was definitely tuned into that and it was neat and refreshing he reminded me a lot of General Hawk, who had yeah. a hard edge and was a smart guy, but had a genuine care mm-hmm. for the troops. And he knows he knows the priorities. We had a saying when I was in the Air Force, if you take care of the people, the mission tends to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. And I think he's on to that. Yeah, he's very mission focused, but he also realizes if the people aren't in the right headspace, the mission becomes a heck of a lot harder. Yeah. Right. And uh, it's really showing here. And I'm really liking him. And we've discussed this on the last few episodes, Pat, and I bet you Iron Monger knows the answer. It's going to be so hard for him not to say anything. But we both have that yeah. feeling. We read this, what, 20 years ago, right, or whatever, mm-hmm. how long it's been. And we both have that feeling that, like, there's another shoe to drop on this guy. And I don't want that shoe to drop. <laughs> I'm just like, he's so likable. And yeah, he's got a no, great character like, design. I like his white hair. The way he's got the white eye, eyebrows and all that. Yeah. Uh, but Yeah, and... I'm reading along with you guys now, and I have an inkling of what I remember from, like you said, 20 years ago at this point. You know, the characterization on General Ray is is amazing. It's a very good leader. Like you said, you've taught leadership. And this is a guy that knows how to win over troops, which reminds me of another leader in the past of G.I. Joe or Cobra, but G.I. Joe Mythos. (laughs) And (laughs) but like you said, you take care of your people, they do the same thing. They, you know, one hand washes the other and all that stuff. Yeah. So it is, you know, General Ray comes on as the leader and it, immediately he just, he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm the leader now. Uh, I know you don't like it, but we got, we got things to do. And he's winning over the troops by giving them mutual respect. Which is kind of different, I think, compared to the person I think this guy is. You know what I mean? I think like, hey, they must have got something right when they made this one you know when what i mean mixed this batch. when they mixed this batch together, yeah you know and you know i like the guy's uniform let's just say he's got some cool pants 
<laughs> Sir, your pants, pants are nice. Perfect. Right. I don't like I don't remember how. Like I just had this we've mentioned this on previous episodes. We feel like he's connected to Serpentor somehow. Somehow. But I don't remember how this all went down. Well, I but, and what I want to know is know that the government got Serpentor's body after that yeah, big yeah, battle yeah. on Cobra Island. So that's why I want to know where's this better side? Who did they got in this mix that makes him this likable kind of guy? You know what I mean? He's killing it. He's doing a great job. Yeah. I'm like so excited got... to delve into this. Yeah. I'm going to give a sneak peek to our listeners right here because we're recording this late on a Wednesday in March. It's actually March 1st. We're going to record this. We're going to record the next episode back to back. Right. And then we only have two episodes left. And Pat and I have been talking a lot about how, how we're going to move forward on G.I. Joe Chronicles. Like, what are we going to do next? And we've cooked up a brilliant little scheme. But unfortunately, said brilliant little scheme isn't going to quite keep because I, I, as I understand it, the story is continued in, in America's elite and it's going to basically put America's elite off for about 18 months. <laughs> we're going to have to wonder for a year and a half because I think we're going to be covering Frontline and that's an 18 issue series. <laughs> oh, wait, uh, technically, that'd be 36 months because we're going to be bouncing back and forth between Frontline and another G.I. Joe comic book. Yeah. No, we'll uh, see. We'll see what we do. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But anyway, that's a little peek for all of you guys who are kind of listening and kind of wondering what we're going to do when we run out. I think we're going to be doing a little G.I. Joe frontline mixed with a little G.I. Joe of the past. Hmm. Mm. Who's to say? Anyways, mm. back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think one of our listeners mentioned that the General Ray thing kind of gets resolved in America's Elite. I think that's what he said. I think that was one of the comments. Yeah, and I'm like, oh yep. man. So I mean, it doesn't mean we can't go read it, but yeah. we'll be podcasting about it maybe for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, back to the highs and lows. I'm gonna give a high to the Cobra intrigue. You know, it's always neat to see. Like we always we felt good when Destro was running at the top of his game in the last couple of issues, but then it felt good to watch Cobra Commander get back at the top of his game. And I gotta admit, you know. We know he's the bad guy and all that, but it's kind of neat to see him winning. Yeah. Partially because, you know, the rugs could get pulled out at some point. Yeah. But, I mean, he's getting his ducks in a row. Like, he's got, oh, hey, let's bring all these coil guys back. Yeah, come on, rejoin the Cobra family. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we just really brought you here as cannon fodder because we're pretty sure the Joes are going to come hard and heavy on Cobra Island. Uh, I don't know if he knew how hard and heavy they were going to come on Cobra Island. I think he kind of knew what was going to happen to it, but he's like, yeah, come on, sit down. Let me cut your hair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really a barber. (laughs) Twang. Wow. Yeah. He he snookered him. Yeah. Man, I guess the big question is, because I had to go back, like double check, like, I'm pretty sure Destro got left in the basement of Cobra Island when it got nuked. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I'm wondering that too. Is he there? What's going on? I think he was. I don't, unless they like brought him behind the scenes. Cause the last time we saw him, he was in a jail cell on Cobra Island. Cause I flipped back to like, okay, now where are they? Okay. Yep. They're on Cobra Island. Yep. Next thing you know, nuke. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. But yeah, Cobra's like, he's got everybody off the island. He's got his weather dominator. Yep. He's in a snake shaped mountain base. Oh, that base is cool. That's one he's of my notes, too. He's winning, cool, like, man. Cool Cobra base, man. He's got the upper hand. But I'm just going to 
piggyback off of what you're saying. I know I'm going ahead of here, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. this Cobra Commander, you know, as well, we're reading Transformers on Transformers Chronicles. Grimlock is now the head of the Transformers, and that guy is crazy. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm it, it's Grimlock is cray cray. Now Cobra <laughs> Commander is cray cray. He is like, I mean, this guy is like ruthless. Grimlock in Unhinged. charge of the Transformers is like putting Bazooka in charge of the shows. <laughs> you know, he's lovable and we all like him, but leadership is not as strong. As oh no, man! These these two guys are cray cray right now. Yeah, well, I, over to you, Ironmonger. What else you got on this book for round two? Round two, I'm really loving the characterization of Major Blood after losing his hand. He has a new hand. I was happy to see a resolution to that, especially after uh, issue 37. But they're interrogating Destro in the jail cell, and Destro's reading Shakespeare. And Blood is like, yeah, what does that hack know? <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> it's like he all loves his own poetry. <laughs> <laughs> but Blood is doing a great job being a toady to Cobra Commander and just having a place in the Cobra hierarchy where for a lot of the earlier he wasn't he was like a featured villain rather than part of the main villain structure so i really like seeing more of major blood it's it's awesome yeah i would agree with that that he's always been the zartan's busy destro's doing something else some other low level cobra's doing something else let's bring in blood and have him do something he's definitely getting his uh his time to shine so to say here to me he's like the ultimate uh, no slight to Zartan here, but he's like the ultimate chameleon for Cobra. And I mean that more in a personality way. Like he mm. is, he is right there. He's the right hand man of whoever might be, might be in charge at the time. Yeah. But on the flip side, you know, Dr. Mindbender tries to do that unsuccessfully. <laughs> and he's not good at it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> exactly. Oh, goodness. So I'll drop a what the on the book. The one thing that I think the writer, uh, I guess that'd be Brandon, kind of made a big over-assumption on was actually the last panel. And that is when, as I found out by reading the next issue, (laughs) Overlord shows up in the Icelandic base where the Joes that are on the run from the law are hiding out. He's in this very last panel. He's like, yeah, you know, nothing that I'm not willing to do to you. Now call the others. Dun, dun, dun. I was like, I don't know who that is. (laughs) Go ahead. Now, I've been reading this series loyally for the podcast, and I was like, I don't know who yeah. that is. Yeah, I, I felt the same way, too. I was like, who's that? Who's I that mean, all then, the taken was for Scout to go, oh, my gosh, Overlord, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, oh, okay. I was looking we at haven't that. seen the dude since the attack on Cobra Island, yeah. and I, he's in a completely different getup. I don't know what his face looks like. Didn't he used to wear a yeah. helmet or something over his face? Like, yeah. How would I know who this is? The claw, maybe? I don't know. You're afraid of the claw. (laughs) (laughs) The red shirt. I I don't know. I I thought he was maybe Wraith at the. I'm like, is that Wraith? See, that guess is just as good as any other guess. Now that we're talking about that, let's talk about Scanner. I'm like, wow, you know, what a cool way to bring Scanner into this. Yeah, brought it back. Brought him back after that one issue a while ago. We're like, well, what's this have to do with anything? And, you know, they yeah, pick up like, this guy from wherever and he's, you he know, then they finally just send him off to, what is that? I think he was a reporter. That he was, kind of, 
figured out some of the Joe secrets and they kind of brought him in. Yeah, it was like a techie kind of guy that yeah, or a hacker all or yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna station you in Iceland," which, as you were saying, Pat, was cool because it was like, "Oh, we're gonna get rid of this guy, right? We're never gonna see him again." And they yeah. brought him back. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, cool. I remember when you guys were talking about that issue. You're like, "I think we see this guy again, and it's not good." <laughs> Our spider senses were tingling properly, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but I thought it was cool. Like, oh, wow. Way to just kind of fold, you know, the story in and bring him into play. Yeah, it didn't turn out too well for him, I think. But yeah, by the end of this issue, cool it looks like Overlord, because that's who he is, has done something bad to Scanner. And I think we'll find out more in the next issue. But yeah, just some couple of things that we haven't hit on in our two major rounds, because now we're into the bonus overtime round, is uh, the Red Shadows kind of coming after people that know about the Red Shadows, like a one-page scene with a newspaper man who's talking, I think, to General Colton. Colton, yeah, wondering what he has. I was kind of wondering what info he had. Yeah. yeah, that, there. yeah. yeah Hector Ramirez from Sunbow. That's his... Oh, he's a cartoon character. See, I'm not as familiar with the cartoon, so that's interesting. They're very good at this. They're very this this era, Pat. We've never mentioned this on the show. This is an underrated era. Well, it's a a nice amalgamation. Nice, nice amalgamation. Amalgamation uh, of you know the two universes put together and i like it It, it, it's cool definitely what other burning highs and lows you have we'll go to the ironmonger first just anything else you want to get off your chest i really liked how general gibbs like reading this issue i don't know who he's actually working is he working for cobra is he for the Mm -hmm. red shadows Mm -hmm. which aren't identified just rs so i don't know how cobra is getting the upper hand in this issue and is it you know i'm thinking it's general gibbs I'm not thinking that he's working for the Red Shadows. I, I'm thinking he's working for Cobra, personally. Yeah, I kind of felt that way, too. Is like, is he, you know, because he's given that information of, hey, they're going to bomb the island. So you can go ahead and give your nice uh, message to the troops <laughs> before they go, you know, and thank them for, you know, send them your Christmas card just before they get, you know, the package delivered to them. <laughs> I felt so bad for you, Pat, because I know how much you like Coil. I was like, oh, there they yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. That's it for Coil. Yeah. It, but, you know, I have to say this is an interesting way of, you know, Brandon just figuring out a way to kind of clear the decks a little bit and do something to it. And what, what's really cool is it's kind of a callback again to what Cobra Commander did with the ship back in the original Joe series where he you know, kind of, I don't know if he can't remember if he blew it up or sunk the ship or whatever, did, you know, had all those people in the, all, the, all his enemies again in there and then just said, you know what, screw you, I'm sealing you up in here and you got to <laughs> But man, and just how crazy, did I mention how crazy Cobra Commander is? <laughs> crazy like a fox. Yeah. Crazy <laughs> like a cobra. <laughs> Merciless. Merciless. Yeah, the only other, and we did talk about what a dense read this is. The only other storyline we didn't really touch on is, it, is our predictions did come true, Pat. It looks like Barrel Roll's brother Stahl has joined Cobra. You know, and I find that weird because it's like, okay, Stahl, why are you joining? You weren't that good in the first place. You know what I mean? Because he caused a lot of issues before, and he wasn't he afraid? 
Yeah, he was making poor battlefield decisions. Yeah. He was being more selfish with his battlefield decisions, which got some other people killed uh, because Horrible. he was scared. All right, Pat, what do you think? No, I only have one more thing left, and it's just the art and the colors in here. Again, awesome art helps tell the story, even though it's a dense read. You could really see what was going on and the colors. Man, this era, I continue to love the colors in this era. Oh, great. It's good stuff, man. It really is. Yeah, well put together. Just another fine issue, man. It's just, what is this issue? What number are we on? 40? 40. 40. And just uh, thinking back over the last 40 issues, mm -hmm. I, I can't identify the weak spot. <laughs> so that's got to say something for this run. Yeah. We probably have not mentioned that before, that this is underrated. Hey, what? No. Okay. Well, with that, I'm going to hand it back to DJ <laughs> <to> Cristados. <laughs> He's going to give us the IG's report on the combat readiness of this issue. All right. And for those of you who don't speak military, that means we're going to score this issue's story on the same 1 to 10 flag point scale we used earlier. So, Iron Monger, on a 1 to 10, how would you rate this issue? I would have to rate this issue a solid 8. It's very strong. I would pick it up and read again on its own and it stands well on its own as well as being part of a larger story arc okay going with an eight here's where i'm going to be a little bit different i'm going with a nine i really enjoyed this one i really had some fun reading it and i like what's happening in it jared where do you fall i am going to join you on nine island Ooh. and hope we don't get nuked all right so it's my time our time to spoon huh <laughs> it is it is I might even have pushed this one to a 10 if we'd gotten a little bit more of what was yeah. on the cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just haven't really, we haven't seen the Wrath of Destro yet. And I want to see it. I want to see the Wrath of Destro. I do too. Because I mean. Well, you might not because he was underneath the nuclear. Yeah, I'm sure we'll never weapon. see that character again. He's probably dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just as a reminder to our listening audience in the previous issues, Cobra Commander murdered his wife who was pregnant with his child, which is the Baroness. <laughs> and so, or seemingly murdered her. Who yeah, knows? Who's to say? But Destro believes that's what happened. And we, the readers, believe that for now. Certain they're going to pull a switcheroo at some point. But that's where we're at. Now it's time to award the episodes Silver Star Medal or Silver Snake for gallantry or sneaky snakitude in action. This is where we each get to award the character in this issue who went above and beyond the call of duty. So, Ironmonger. Do you have a silver star or a silver snake for this issue? Well, Pat, I have a silver snake. Ooh, is it the same as mine? I don't know. I'm going to say Cobra Commander. Oh, it is. Because he is just ruthless. He is firing on all venom cylinders. He is. He's just ready to conquer, and he's doing whatever it takes. And he's playing a good game of chess, getting all his pieces in place to really bring Cobra to the next level of terror. I agree with you as well. Cobra Commander is totally cray-cray on this one, man. Cray-cray. <laughs> I mean, he I wouldn't say he nuked the island, but he basically did. He knew what was going to happen. He got rid of some people. He shot some people. I just, wow. 
crazy stuff happening in this one that I wasn't, I was shocked at that he was actually doing, actually going through with it and getting it done. Yeah, his ability to orchestrate the actions of others is something we haven't seen in a very long time. And it's just nice to see him doing that again and really being evil. Yeah. Yeah, being evil. Yeah. He's, you know, he must have got it as uh, evil Wheaties today or something to help him just get things done. <laughs> Jared, who is your Silver Star or Silver Snake? You know, if I'm honest, I had Cobra Commander pegged for a Silver Snake on this one. So we're uh-huh. three for three, but I'll give you my honorable mention, which is Overlord. Anytime you can sneak into a facility and get the drop on a team that includes Snake Eyes. You're doing a good job. True. <laughs> so, <better. laughs> True. Yeah. Give it up to Overlord for sneaking in and getting the drop on the Joes in the Icelandic, Icelandic, Iceland, snowy facility. Yes. <laughs> yes. The very cold facility. Underground. And he was so sneaky. We didn't even remember his name. That's right. He's <laughs> That's like, true. he's like, and I've revealed myself. We're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, hey you there. Mentioned- guy <laughs> can you imagine like when when then scarlet and those guys show up and they go and you are again. <laughs> what's up there buddy <laughs> take it easy slick <laughs> you forgot my name already i can't believe it <laughs> all right well with that now it's time to hand it over back to Jarrett for his segment called Death Probe's Toy Chest. What's in the toy chest today? Well, Pat, I'm glad you asked. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection. Each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. In this segment, I'll take something or someone featured in this issue and give you a brief toy history on it. For this issue, I have selected Mercer. Mercer was featured in a mildly amusing scene at the beginning where they're trying to figure out who the traitor in the Joe team was. It was General Gibbs. I was like, hey, you know, Mercer didn't get a lot of love. So let's talk about him in the toy chest. All right. So Mercer was one of uh, Sergeant Slaughter's renegades. His real name is Felix Stratton. He's from Spencer, West Virginia. His specialty is a small arms armorer. The description of his original figure is a red tactical vest with blue pants and black boots. His accessories were a black backpack and a light gray 45 pistol with a silencer. It was first released in 1987 as part of Series 6 and discontinued in 1989. As I mentioned, he came in Sergeant Slaughter's Renegades 3-pack along with... Overlord? No. <laughs> I don't know. Sir Pantor? <laughs> no. <laughs> Who came in the 3-pack? I could see their faces, but I can't I don't know. Face. I don't know. Taurus and Red Dog. Taurus and Red Dog. Ah. I knew I could count on Gary. <laughs> Anyways, strangely enough, in 2011, he was renamed Mercenary. What a generic name. What's wrong with Mercer? Anyway, he was renamed Mercenary in the 2011 version, which was the fourth version of the figure that was released. And it was the last version that was released. He currently has four versions as of the time of this recording, which is March of 2023. Four versions of Mercer. Time to go around the room. See who had him, who didn't pet. Well, have mercy on me because I didn't have one. No, didn't have the Sergeant Slaughter's Renegades, as they no. called them. I think later on we started calling them Slaughter's Marauders. Pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Slaughter's Marauders. Yeah. Renegades. Someone didn't think that through. Anyway, Iron Mogger, did you have him or do you have him? I have him now. Didn't have him as a kid. But another interesting fact about Mercer, he has a different name in 1991. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> He's a different person. <laughs> 
he's not Felix Stratton. Is that yeah. what you're saying? <laughs> they did that. With, remember the last episode there was we were talking. This is the last one, the one before. There was a, a Joe who's yeah. changed for like no reason. Yeah, he was Richard Cecil in 1991. But of course, just one of his many yeah. aliases. You know, one of the things. Can you that, really trust him? Good question. One of the things I kind of forgot to point out is he always had that anti-Cobra emblem on his outfit, like Cobra with the line through it, because he was former Cobra and turned Joe. And that's why I always thought was his neatest hook was not necessarily his figure design is okay, but I always thought it was kind of cool that there was this former Cobra guy that became a Joe, kind of an, an automatically interesting backstory. Yeah, that's cool. But I, I that. don't think I had the Renegades back in the day when they came out. Uh, but I definitely have them. I acquired them via yard sale over the years. So back to you, Pat. All right. Well, next up is our feedback segment called Combat Comms. As always, we want to start off Combat Comms with a roster of our Battle Hardened Crusader Club veterans. These are the fine folks who have joined our Crusaders Club. They enjoy early access to special longbox video episodes, free raffle giveaways, voting on show programming, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Angelica Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins. Ezra Gallo. Gary Viola. (laughs) Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Jason Keene. Jason Lady. Jeremy L. Jim. Jarman, Jim, Jarman, Jim, Jarman, Jim, Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Jim Meal. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Kathy Bright, the MVP. Mark Ross, also known as Cluck Trent. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey 67. Pass me that spreadsheet. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. If we missed anyone on our list, we do apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance. And I mean well in advance of release. So if you are a recent addition, we should be adding you very soon. But still, don't worry about it. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it all straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? It's very simple, you know. You just got to go on over to patreon.com, search for the Longbox Crusade, and for as little as $1 a month, you will get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. I'm talking all the access. Mm. So come and check it out. Now, let's go ahead and see what messages from our platoon of loyal listeners we have waiting for us on Breaker's ComSat. Communications officer, code name Breaker. These comments are from episode 37, where Jared, Pat, and, oh, that's me, and Jason 
we covered issue number 37. Looks like we've got three. So yeah, we'll just go around the horn again and we'll let uh, Ironmonger take the first one. Is that visor Orsted approved? <laughs> That's from our buddy uh, Quentin in the basement down there. He's talking about the cover. Remember Snake Eyes had the visor oh, yeah, all yeah. beaten up, you know, and Orsted is all about safety, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or says like, yeah, man, you know, that's not OSHA really approved when it gets it. You know, that damage rating is not so good anymore. Yeah, man. I mean, you gotta you gotta protect eyes, your eyes. Yeah, they're the windows you know? to the soul, man. Yeah, man. And you just if you don't protect them, you can't what, see nothing. What are you doing? Yeah, it's just darkness. And that's not good, man. Yeah, darkness is bad. It's bad. Well, yeah. I mean, well, not at night. Well, no, this, yeah. no, you yeah. need it at night. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, there's some nocturnal things that yeah. are good at night, but... Sometimes I say contradictory things, man. Could you make yeah. the entire outfit out of the same material as the visor? Yeah. Oh, like man. that. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, Maybe some of my guys down the lab working on that. I don't have a lab or any guys. I, I gotta get some guys in a lab. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I talked to my brother. He probably has mm-hmm. one. I have a lab, but they make something else. But <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's, let's move on. I'm going to read a comment from Scotty Cameron. And Scotty said, great episode. You're on the right track about General Ray having something to do with Serpentor. I knew it. Matt. I knew it. Yeah, there it is. I think he misspelled it, though. I think it's it's got an A in it. So. Yeah, he spelled that wrong. <laughs> Serpentor. I don't Sir Pantor, please, Sir Pantor. <laughs> he said, I'll leave it at that to avoid spoilers. Also, I just realized that Major Blood and Brother Blood from DC Comics have the same name. They're both named Sebastian Blood. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's true. Interesting. Do you think they're Blood Brothers? Brothers. brothers. <laughs> ah. Speaking of brothers, man, get the hell out of here. Get out of here. Yeah, enough of your bits tonight, Orsted. Man, just over that that Cobra Commander, man. He's great, great. <laughs> Don't get get out of here. My brother he needs you know? to chill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Destro is just my brother's just he likes to read and he make fun of him for reading. <laughs> He's cultured. Yeah. Man, come on. Can't keep Orsted that. Just because you got your library card taken away, Grover Commander, doesn't mean you have to hate on anybody else that, you know, can read. Uh, every episode. All right, I'll take the next one from our friend, Jim Meal. And Jim says, my three non-toy slash vehicle or comic Joe items are, and they are, his number one is the mural puzzle. They were four puzzles that combined together to create one big battle scene that had two different sets. Ooh, and I what? had those, man. Oh, I had you? those when I was a kid living in Germany. And then about eight years ago, I found them again at a yard sale. So oh, it's, cool. It's, yeah, they're very cool. You know, I saw somebody, I don't know if it was on Facebook. It might have been on Facebook, but they had G.I. Joe, the Marvel issue number one as a puzzle. It was really kind of big, but it was a puzzle piece. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool, man. I would, I would love that. What's Jim Meals number two? Jim Meals number two is the Nintendo games. They made two of them. One just GI Joe, and the second was the Atlantis Factor. I don't know if I played those. I don't know either. You know, I collect Nintendo, the original NES games, mm-hmm. 
and they made I'm shooting from the hip here, but about seven ballpark in seven fifty total games over my years of yard sale, and I found about four fifty of them. And I honestly don't know if I have a Joe one. Okay. I need to go look in my collection. I don't feel like I do, I which bothers me. Keeps me up. Yeah, you gotta get that Joe. And coming in at number three is GI Joe the magazine. They were released quarterly. They were short stories, articles, poster, and so much more. But the cover art on these were amazing. I have seen some of those. And yes, the covers mm. really did stand out. I scored a nice bundle of those at Goodwill about three years ago. And I keep eyeballing them and like, yeah, mm-hmm. I wonder if we should do like a special episode where we go into one of these magazines. You know, that could be fun. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. Something to think about. Yeah, lots to do. I had a subscription to Jejo Magazine for about a year when I was a kid. So, like, four issues. Like I said, it was quarterly. So, I think it was oh, like four yeah. issues. But it, it was very exciting, you know, to have that G.I. Joe magazine. Mm, fun. And speaking about fun, as a reminder, you can now call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-532-5269. That number again is 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the <laughs> he couldn't come off you fast enough. Oh. He was like, oh, here comes oh, the oh, oh. Uh, I've been oh. waiting for it all along. <laughs> Beautiful. He knows all the bits. <laughs> he does. I love it. I love it. As soon as you started to run the number, I saw him turn off his mute. Oh, I was like, oh, he's in. <laughs> here he comes. Unfortunately, we didn't get any audio sentence this time. Oh, no. Oh, Ironmonger's called in before. Yeah. He did. Yeah, get some more call-ins. Get those call-ins. Call us yeah, in. Tell we us. We love it. We love it. Auburn Elvis is called in. Ironmonger's called in. Join their ranks, people. And remember, if you just want to call and just say, Yo, Joe, we will add you to the little Yo, Joe stack we do at the end of every episode. You'll hear your voice mixed in with the other people who've called in for Yo, Joe. That is a, just a fun bonus. So go ahead mm-hmm. and do that. 707-532-5269. I don't even have to look anymore. I have numbers seared into my brain like my childhood <laughs> phone number. Anyways, that will bring us to Mission Complete status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV, movies, serials, and more, check out the entire Longbox Crusade Network. DJ Cristados, where can they find that? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, and all the other podcatchers out there. Or go to www.longboxcrusade.com. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Lombox Crusade. Make sure you go and check them out. Back to you, Jared. Thank you, Pat. Yeah, we definitely would dig it if you would maybe drive by our YouTube page and give us a subscribe. A subscribe. A subscribe. I'll get it. A subscribe. You know, sub us. Sweet. Was a man. I'm just cray cray. <laughs> Falling apart at the end of the show. Anyways, if you want to chat with us online, we can personally be found at Back to You, Pat. Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Jared, where can you be found? I am at Yard Sale Artist Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my art. Where is it? www.theyardsaleartist.com. I do a lot of G.I. Joe character sketches of the cartoon versions drawn on pages from a U.S. Army Infantry Rifle Platoon Manual. If that sounds exciting to you, let me know. 
I have two originals at the time of this recording still left, Pat. The ones that are just oh, unloved. Wow. Unloved. I've oh, got no, Footloose and oh, Clutch footloose. Oh, just oh, laying man. around, waiting for somebody to order them. You yeah. yeah, got Somebody yeah. cut that loose. <laughs> anyway, enough about me. Ironmonger, thank you for being our guest on this episode. Where can people thank find you? you? I can be found on Twitter at IGGaryV. And I can also be found on uh, YouTube and Facebook, uh, the Chaplain's Assistance Motorpod at Chaplain Joe Pod. All right. Thank you, my friend. And thank you, everybody out there, for joining us for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles of Devil's Due Years. We'll see you on the battlefield next episode, where we'll cover issue number 41 The Union of the, the snake. snake. It's part five. Anyways, until the platoon fallout. Yo, yo, yo. yo. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at joseflin 99 That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Blow you up, <laughs> blow you up on your island. <laughs> Got any more? No, that's okay. Until <laughs> then, the oh, go ahead, finish it up <laughs> with the nuke. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, is Destro still alive? <laughs> oh. <laughs>